Welcome to the Person and the Power podcast with Pastor Tim Johnson, as he invites us to cultivate a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit of the living and loving God. After 25 years of ministry, Pastor Tim's desire is that all of us would experience both the Spirit's transformational intimacy and the supernatural activity in our daily lives. Now, here's Pastor Tim. So I have to give credit to my daddy for my love for gardening. I just love gardening. I always have. Now, I drove him crazy when I helped him, and I helped him a lot. In fact, we kind of had a rule. He had a rule. Schoolwork after dark. You're not going to burn up precious daylight hours doing homework when you can be outside mowing and helping with the garden. We always had big gardens, and not only did we have big gardens, we had more than one garden, usually. I still remember being... I don't even remember some of the locations, just jumping into his old KU pickup truck in E-Town, Kentucky, and we'd head off to some unknown destination that GPS couldn't even find. We would jump out and start working that garden. I don't even remember all the different places, if he, if he offered his help or if he had different plots of ground. I don't, I don't even remember. I just know that I helped him all the time with the garden and Again, I drove him crazy. I still remember, oh, so clearly, how to dig potatoes and with a pitchfork. But boy, when you spear a potato, my dad would lose his ever-loving mind. He just got so angry with me because, you know, you got to go gentle. You got to tear up that, break up that hill of potatoes gently, right? And if if you're a gardener, if you're a farmer and you've done potatoes, you know what I'm talking about. You want that potato good and in, whole, intact. Not no. You don't want two or three holes stabbed in it, right? You sure don't want it cut in half. I have cut many a potatoes in half with a pitchfork. So I just remember growing up and tilling. Oh my gosh, the tiller is almost like it's like a horror movie. <laughs> the tiller <laughs> music, cute music, and it's a scary movie scene. The tiller. You know, I remember. The tiller was outside for the most part, but it was covered with um, like a metal bucket or a, a metal wash tub so that the rain wouldn't get into the carburetor, into the engine. And, but I would, oh my gosh, <laughs> that thing beat me up as much as it beat the ground up. Oh my goodness gracious. And I still remember even when I taught Taylor, my son, how to garden, I remember I don't know if I, I think I bought my own tiller, but I'm trying to remember, we may have a picture of it somewhere where his arms, he's probably six or seven years old, his arms are like stretched as high as they can be over his head. He's barely grabbing onto the handles and I'm walking behind him and he is tilling a garden, the tiller. Oh my gosh. I, you know, it carried over to all of my uh, adult life. Always have loved gardening. I remember one year we were just started ministry. So this is 25, at least 25 years ago. We were in Greensburg, Indiana. I, we, we didn't have very much of a yard at all, but if I have a space, I'm going to make a garden. And you know, those packets, the instructions on the packets of the siege that says, make sure you plant, you know, eight inches apart, 10 inches apart. Well, I'm all, I was always subtracting two to three, two, two to four inches from that. 
So I'm thinking, yeah, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. They'll just get cozy. They'll grow together. <laughs> so one year we had just enough room for uh, just some lettuce and some corn, uh, some tomatoes, some beans, you know, the staples, right? But just enough. It wasn't very big at all. And I remember, man, I saw some really good looking tomato plants, grabbed about eight of them. I think it was eight of them. Now, I swear to you this day that when I bought those, the stickers that were stuck in the soil right there in the pots, the, in the tomato plants themselves, said things like big boy, better boy, uh, beef stick, you know, these, these brands of tomatoes that I knew were tomatoes, not cherry tomatoes. Have you ever had a tomato, cherry tomato plant? You need one to feed the state of Montana. Eight feeds all third world country. It's crazy. We had, and that was all they were. That was all they were. Apparently, they got mislabeled. I still swear to you on a stack of burpees catalogs, gardening catalogs, that those stickers said... The, what I thought they said, big boy and better boy, but apparently all of them were cherry tomatoes. Have you ever tried to have a BLT with a cherry tomato? Come on, <laughs> crazy summer. And we just get, I mean, kids loved them until they didn't. It's like after about a week of going out and, you know, the fascination of going out and taking them right off the vine, popping them in the mouth, like they loved it. The kids loved it for the first four days. After that, like, Okay, we're done. <laughs> so I, I still remember to this day where we're in August, September, cherry tomato. You know, cherry tomato plants don't die. You know that, right? They're like, they're like zombies and cockroaches. They just don't die. They never die. They never die. And they're producing. I mean, I, we heard the vines growing in December, okay? So they're like, they're producing everywhere. And but again, we just let them, so many of them just rot on the vine. We just didn't know what to do with them after, what, four months, five months? So one year, we were in, uh, again, we were in ministry, Mount Olivet, Kentucky. I've told this story before to Firmer's Chapel, but it was one of those springs. Now, this is the right, you know, this uh, April, mid-April. I don't know when you usually plant. I've always, we're, again, when I'm in southern Indiana, and we've always heard, at least I've always heard, it's never plant until after Derby Day. Just because you just don't know. You don't know about weather and 33, 34 degrees where things all of a sudden start getting frost bit and frost nipped. And so you just want to be careful careful with that. So, But we were, uh, this is in Mount Olivet, Kentucky. And this was probably, I'd say late April, early May. And started planting green beans, blue lake beans, blue lake green beans. And so I'm thinking, man, these are going to be good. And I had, oh my goodness, five, six, maybe even seven or eight rows. At least, let's say, let's settle on seven because I'm pretty sure that's a safe number. So seven rows of green beans, pretty long garden. And this was one of those April into May's that it was wet and hot and wet and hot and hot and wet. It would just alternate back and forth and back and forth. And so unfortunately, because of that, um, it just it was really hard to gauge your garden. You just didn't know. And I never saw those beans come up. And I was really getting concerned about those beans. It had been easily a week and a half, maybe two weeks. 
I didn't see any of those beans did not come up. But again, it rained and was soggy and cool one day. And then the very next day, it'd be hot and even like baking hot almost. It'd be really hot the, and, and the, the ground would turn really hard and caked, you know. So one day, one glorious day, <laughs> I go outside. Every one of those green beans had sprung. Praise God, every one of those green beans were breaking out just barely. I don't know if, you, if you're a gardener, a plant, if, you, if you've ever done a garden with green beans, they're, you know, they start breaking out the little shoot. They're kind of a, a really white green, light green uh, shoot that's all bent over, just breaking out of the ground. It's a beautiful sight. It is a beautiful sight. But remember I said, there had been rain and there had been heat and there had been heat and there had been rain. And so these dirt clods, these massive caked, crusted clods were sitting on top of every one of those green beans, every one of them. So I, Farmer Tim, I decided to help save my beans. Blue Lake Beans, here I come to the rescue. And bending over, stooping over, all seven of those long rows... I take my middle finger and my thumb and I basically flick, I basically flick the dirt clods off of each bean. Okay. <laughs> Anybody know what's coming? The next day just happened to be one of those really scorchers. Anybody want to guess how many of those beans survived? Yep, none. Lost the whole bean crop because I tried to help the beans. Now, that's a whole sermon to itself, right? That's a whole sermon. Because sometimes we need the hard stuff to continue to grow. Because if you remove all hard things, I wonder how well we grow. See, that's a whole sermon. Now, that's not the point of this podcast. But that's a pretty good point. So anyway, I lost all the beans, had to replant them. And then by that time, it was getting a little bit late. And so I think we had a pretty puny uh, uh, bean uh, harvest that year. Remember that word harvest. That's going to be important here really soon. So we move here in Corden, Indiana, fat pastor of Firmers Chapel, and just love, love, loved uh, this area because it's it's rural. I mean, there's gardens everywhere. There's fields, there's soybeans and, and corn and everything. And so we have been blessed. First got here again 18 years ago. There's a family, Charles and Elaine Hambly. So they used to, great story, they used to work in New York, I think maybe even New York City, but I know they, they worked in New York and they worked for Exxon Oil. Now this was back in the, I think, 70s or 80s, I guess, maybe early 90s, whenever it was, but they were working and uh, however they, they were beginning to, um, they had put together a, a pretty good resume for themselves, apparently, as the story goes, and they were pretty well off, but, but they were just living right there, working for Exxon Oil, and right before they started having a family, they, I guess one of them, both of them, just had this sense, you know, is this how we want to raise our family? In the city, working for Exxon Oil, here's what we'll do. We're going to move back to Harrison County, to Corridon, to this area, wherever, however that happened. I still don't know exactly how they got a hold of this land, but 100 acres of land right up the road from the church, right up the road from the church on Firmers Chapel Road. And they attended this church for years and years and years. And so right up the road is this 100-plus acre farm called Hamley Farms. Hamley Farms. They quit 
their jobs at Exxon Oil to be full-time gardeners, to be full-time farmers. And that's all they do. That's all they do still to this day. They do farm markets. They travel all over the place to do farm markets and they make their living and they've raised three sons, uh, all of them growing up, working on the farm. Uh, so when Pam and I and the family and the kids got here in 2005, we got to meet the, the Hambleys and we, of course, pretty quickly in conversation, somewhere in a sermon, somewhere, somewhere, it was discovered for my love for gardening and my, again, 40 plus year, at the time I was right at 40 years old or I guess 42, whatever, however old I was, I had had this love for gardening for years and years and years and years and years. And so they found out about it. I, to, I was not shy about telling them. And the Hambleys one day offered us some land. And so we went over there. We met them one evening and, and they, show, <laughs> they showed us a strip of land. I'm telling you, my mouth started, I drool started dripping down from my chin thinking, I have just hit the payload. <laughs> Bonanza, baby, right here. This is a dream come true. So, so we marked off this huge, massive piece of land for my little tiny garden, right? And so I go home and I still remember, oh my gosh, friends, I still remember the excitement. No, 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 no. The exhilaration of sitting down and drawing out my plot. Anybody ever do that? Come on. Anybody ever do you? You, you plot your garden. Uh, here's where the beans are going to go. And here's where the corn is going to go. And here's where the tomatoes, yes, the right kind of tomatoes, are going to go. And now, zucchini, squash, right? You got everything. Now, I've got enough room. <laughs> I've got enough room to grow anything my little heart desires. I threw in some sweet potatoes. That was a great year. Cantaloupe, watermelon, you name it, I had it. I mean, it was complete. The garden was long and it was massive. So I don't know about you. I grew up with a saying, uh, my mom and my dad said it all the time, especially at restaurants, especially if I remember, um, you remember Ponderosa? I think the buffet at Ponderosa's. I know there's some Ponderosa's still around, but I remember the day Ponderosa uh, uh, buffets where I'd go and, and my daddy or my mama would say, now take only what you're going to eat. All right. And so guess what? I didn't. I took more than what I, I took more than I could ever eat. And then mama or daddy would say, see, your eyes were bigger than your stomach. Well, <laughs> my dreams were uh, much bigger than what I could handle on this piece of land. So, but I did. We planted everything. We planted everything that we were going to plant. And I was over there every single day, every single day, every single night. Family dragged the family there. Rain, it didn't matter. Had been mud. It didn't. It did. We didn't. We had to. Hit, we had to weed something every single night, right? We had to do something every single night. We were over there, and sometimes on Saturdays we'd be get over there early in the morning. We'd be there almost all day. Sunday after church, we'd have to go over there. We would weed. We would start. Then, of course, the harvest started coming. The important word here coming up, harvest started coming. We started bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We started bringing in the sheaves. We started just 
By the time everything, you know, watermelons and cantaloupes go all the way into July, August, September, sweet potatoes, anybody? Sweet potatoes, September. We worked that garden from April all the way to probably October. Now, some of y'all thinking, well, yeah, that's how a garden is supposed to. You don't understand. <laughs> this garden was the size of New Jersey, guys, okay? It took every ounce of our being. It took every one of our efforts. It, we, and we still left, I don't know, we still left produce after produce after produce in that garden. Harvest is a really important word here for this podcast. As we travel through Romans, now we're in Romans 7. And the first part of Romans 7 is, again, talking about not being bound by sin anymore. And Paul uses an example in marriage and adultery and things like that. I want to skip to verse, uh, let's skip to verse 4. This is where we're going to find the word harvest a couple of times, all right? So Paul says this in verse 4, Romans 7. So, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. Here it is, here it is, here it is. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. Look at that. We can, we can, we can. How would they even say we must, we must, we must produce a harvest of good deeds for God? Now, you know this. I hope you know this. I really hope you know this. We do not do good deeds to get to heaven, but we do do good deeds because we have been saved and we are going to heaven. We don't, good do, we don't do good deeds because we are trying to earn our way into anything. Grace is free. Grace is unmerited. Salvation is God's work and God's initiative. We unlock, the, 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 we unlock that salvation by our faith. But then, as James would say, our faith then must produce what? Good deeds. If faith does not produce good deeds, James would be as harsh to say our faith is dead or we never had faith. So he goes on to say, Paul goes on to say here in Romans 7, verse 5, when we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused those evil desires that produced, here it is, here it is, a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. So it sounds like to me, verse 4 says to me, right, that because of what God has done in my life, I can produce a harvest, a harvest of good deeds. But if I'm not careful, if I let my old nature control me, if I let my sinful nature continue to control me, I'm still going to have a harvest. It's going to be a harvest of those sinful deeds resulting in what? Death. We looked at this last week, the wages of sin, death. Now, the harvest of sinful deeds Still death. Not a good thing, right? Not a good thing. And, and this harvest word is exactly what you would think it would be here in the Greek. It, it just it means to bring in a supply from, uh, from a garden or from produce uh, to work the field and bring in the produce from the field. To actually bring in what you have cultivated, what you have worked for, what you have weeded, what you have watered, what you have worked and toiled for so long to do for the, next, for the last several months, now you're bringing in the harvest. You're bringing in the produce. It is the fruit 
of your labor, the reward of your hard work, and that's what harvest is. But again, it's interesting, harvest is a neutral word paired up with either the good harvest of the works for the kingdom, good deeds for God, and, or they are, it's, a, it's a negative word because it's paired up with the sinful deeds, right? It's paired up for the, with the sinful deeds. So understanding this harvest term is really important. And in, in, in verse 6, But now we have been released from the law, for we died to it, and we are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. This podcast is, is titled, The Person and the Power. And for the next several, several weeks, we're just going to continue to learn more and more about the Spirit, the power of the Spirit of God, and the person of the Spirit of God. And here, Paul directly links the harvest of good deeds to living by the Spirit. That's what he does. He, he links this not by the old way of obeying the letter of the law or even the old way of producing a harvest of sinful deeds. No, a new way, a new way of being led by the Spirit of God and letting the Spirit of God produce the fruit, the harvest that should be good deeds for the kingdom. I'm reminded, we can't be, uh, I don't think we can help but be reminded. It's a teaching in the in Matthew Matthew 5, and it is the uh, Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, right? And so here's Jesus talking to the disciples, and he says this as he's teaching there on, again, the Mount. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. By what, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And here it is, Matthew 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Yes, yes, and amen, we are called to do good deeds. Now, those, do, those good deeds, once again, they're a result of what's happened in our lives already because of the love and the grace and the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? We've been saved. We have been born again, made new, regenerated, justified, and now, because of our great love, our, our great desire, our, our great relationship with Christ, we want to produce good fruit. We want to produce good deeds. We want to do good deeds, but no longer do those good deeds have anything to do with us. They point where? Like a light on top of a hill on a dark night, they point to a city. They say, here's a city. Uh, for a traveler in, those, in the Judean wilderness, a traveler looking. We've been, in those, we've been in that place before, my wife and I, my family and I, and several who might be even listening. We've been to Israel, and there have been places all over the world I've been to where when it gets dark, unlike here in America, when it gets dark, it's dark. I mean, it's dark. I remember landing one time in, in, uh, in Zimbabwe, and, and as we were landing, it's like, where are we landing? I don't see any lights, and it looked like there were like four or five 60-watt bulbs on the runway. That's all we had. Crazy. So light shines in the darkness. 
That's what our good deeds are supposed to do. Our good deeds are supposed to shine in the darkness so that God gets the glory, so that Jesus gets the attention, so that the Holy Spirit can continue to do His work in our lives. Amen? So I pray that as we can continue to work through, pray through Romans 6 and now Romans 7, that we will commit our lives to this harvest. Think about that. We're not talking about one good deed. Listen, think about the cherry tomato plant. Think about the cherry tomato plant that could feed all of Montana, okay? How many good deeds do you want to do for the kingdom? Don't you want to outdeed the cherry tomato plant? Come on. Pray for the harvest. Ask God, I want to produce a harvest of good deeds for the kingdom. I want your spirit to have his way. Do whatever you want to do, however you want to cultivate me, however you want to, to, to garden me, so that I, my life, will produce a harvest of good deeds for the glory of the kingdom of God. Be blessed, my friend. Be blessed. Have fun gardening this year. Be blessed, my friends, in producing harvest of fruit and good deeds for the kingdom of God. Pastor Tim is the co-founder and teaching director of the Joshua Center, a leadership training ministry which provides deep biblical roots to great movements of God. He's also the senior pastor of Firmers Chapel, a country church by a creek, reaching 13 countries on four different continents for Jesus and his kingdom. Join us next time as we grow deeper in the person and the power.